Today's podcast is brought to you by newspapers.com, the ultimate destination for exploring the mysteries of the past. If you're fascinated by true crime, get ready to dive into the stories that made headlines. Newspapers.com offers a billion pages of historical newspapers from the U.S. and beyond, and you can search the entire collection in seconds. Their vast newspaper collection is a goldmine for eyewitness accounts, crime scene photos, news reports, and more. Whether you're interested in famous crimes or long-forgotten cases, Newspapers.com gives you a front-row seat to more than 300 years of history. For our listeners, Newspapers.com has a special offer. Use the code CUPOFMURDER for an exclusive 20% discount on your subscription. That's promo code CUPOFMURDER at Newspapers.com. Sign up today and start unraveling the true crime mysteries that keep you up at night. Sometimes going to the grocery store can be chaotic. There doesn't seem to be enough time to check the list, make sure everything is there, search for the best prices, and take the time to make sure you get the best quality meat. So let ButcherBox help you out. Giving you peace of mind, ButcherBox delivers high-quality meat and seafood that you can trust straight to your door. No grocery carts required. Humanely raised, no antibiotics or hormones, 100% grass-fed, free-range, and crate-free, What? more can you ask for? What about free shipping, customized box plans, exclusive member deals, recipe inspirations, tips, and tricks? You really can't go wrong with ButcherBox. Sign up at butcherbox.com slash morning cup and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. Choose salmon, chicken breasts, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash morning cup and use code morning cup to choose your free for a year offer plus get $20 off your first order. There were two more murders 15 miles away. When police arrived, they found the telephones and electricity lines. We have a weird homicide. The scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird... Morning. Cup of murder. People will go to great lengths to keep their secrets. By now, this has become abundantly clear. On April 9th, 2003, a man was executed for the crimes he committed to try and keep his secrets. So if you like your coffee hot, but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. At around 4.30 a.m. on August 29th, 1994, firefighters were called to respond to the house fire in Vinton, Virginia. The home, as they were about to learn, belonged to the Hodges family, who were unfortunately still inside of the burning home. When emergency responders were finally able to enter the house, they found the bodies of every single member of the family. But upon further investigation, none had died from the fire. No, 37-year-old Teresa Lynn Hodges was lying on the couch, still burning, but with signs of strangulation and her body soaked with gasoline. While on the second floor lay 41-year-old Blaine Hodges, who lay next to a 22 caliber gun with a gunshot wound to his left temple. 11-year-old Winter and 3-year-old Anya, who had been shot at close range and suffered from only mild burns. Between the various manners of death, the clearly dumped accelerant, and the purposely cut telephone line, it became abundantly clear that the Hodges were the victims of a deliberate murder, not an accidental house fire. Initially, investigators believed Blaine Hodges was the killer, as he was found lying next to the gun with a wound that may have been self-inflicted. Not only that, but Blaine was due to serve six months in federal prison for embezzlement. 
so it seemed like a potential motive in the murders. But when investigated further, police found that the barrel of the weapon had been removed after Blaine had been killed and that he was likely the first victim in the family's murder. So who could have wanted to kill an entire family? Well, the next man on their suspect list was Earl Conrad Bramblett, a family friend who, by some accounts, had lived with the Hodges family and was missing from inside of the incinerated home. Earl, a man born on March 20th, 1942, and originally from Spartanburg, South Carolina, was known to religiously walk his three-legged dog, Lucky, around the modest neighborhood, was known as a good man who always offered a helping hand and a smile. Could this man really be responsible for such a gruesome murder? Police wanted to find out, so they brought Earl in to break the terrible news about the Hodges and to question him about any potential suspects and his whereabouts. When they told him that the Hodges were all dead, his immediate angry reaction was, son of a bitch offed his family and killed himself. Details the police never shared with Earl. He went on to tell police that he had known Blaine for about 20 years and was at the home often, witnesses placing him there the day before the fires. As questions continued, Earl got more and more defensive, even once saying, why don't you go ahead and arrest me for murder and breaking into sobs saying he felt so bad about the family's death that he wanted to take his own life. Back at Earl's motel room, police found cartridge cases for the same caliber bullets used to kill the Hodges, and a witness claimed to see a car matching his driving past the home while the flames were still billowing and did not stop or slow down to take a look. Another witness would claim Earl was seen drawing stick figures at work with arrows that corresponded to the bullet wounds found on the Hodges' bodies. Things weren't looking good for Earl, who was still playing the role of devastated friend. The final nail in his coffin came when Earl's sister contacted police with a very important piece of evidence. She handed over a box that her brother had left with her about a year before the murders that contained several audio tapes that, when listened to, gave Earl more than enough of a motive for wanting the Hodges dead. According to his own words, he had a sexual attraction to 11-year-old Winter Hodges, and he believed that his one-time friends were going to set him up for child molestation charges, that the family, including Winter, were going to entrap him in a sexual act. Using this new lead, police DNA tested a pubic hair found in the girl's bedroom that matched Earl, and not long after, a pair of jeans were found at his workplace that were soaked in the same accelerant used to set the Hodges' home on fire. In addition, two women came forward and stated that, in the 1970s, Earl had given them alcohol and molested them when they were just 11 and 14 years old. He was arrested on June 30th, 1996, and while Earl Bramblett sat behind bars awaiting his trial, a man named Tracy Turner, who was in the same jail, came forward and stated that, when discussing why they were in jail, Earl admitted to being, quote, addicted to young girls, and had been caught with one of the girls by Teresa Hodges, so he had to kill the entire family to avoid being dubbed a pedophile, and that he planned on lying in his trial and stating that the Hodges were killed in a drug hit. He, of course, claimed that all of the evidence against him was not only circumstantial, but planted and completely fabricated, claiming that the pubic hair sample was taken by authorities before they found the hair in the girl's bed, and that the tape recordings had been altered to make it seem as though he had an attraction to Winter. When brought to trial, Earl's attorneys claimed that there was not enough evidence to conclusively find him guilty. 
an opinion that, clearly, the jury didn't share as they deliberated for just one hour before finding him guilty. He was tried, convicted, and sentenced to death on December 16, 1997, after which his lawyers began their work to earn him a clemency hearing, claiming he was largely convicted based on the testimony of a known felon who later recanted his whole statement. They even claimed that the authorities disregarded evidence that others had motive to kill the Hodges family and focused solely on Earl Bramblett. The clemency petition was rejected, and they moved on to appeal the U.S. Supreme Court, who also rejected their claims. On April 3, 2003, Earl wrote a letter to a private investigator who had been working his case, stating, quote, I hope the SOBs who put me here will never forget what they see. And just six days later, sat in the electric chair at Greensville Correctional Center and was executed. His final words were, I didn't murder the Hodges family. I've never murdered anybody. I'm going to my death with a clear conscience. I am going to my death having had a great life because of my two great sons, Mike and Doug. At the time of his death, Earl Bramblett was was a suspect in the 1977 disappearance of 14-year-old Tammy Ackers and Angela Rader. Both girls worked for Earl at the time and had been dropped off at a junior high school in Roanoke, Virginia, before disappearing off the face of the earth. Because the girls had run away before and there were no signs of foul play, no one was charged in connection with their disappearance. Tammy's mother later stated that her daughter had been friends with Earl and his wife, frequently visiting their home and spending a lot of time together. She even stated how odd she thought it was that Earl didn't seem to have adult friends. There had been a few reported sightings of the girls in the years after their disappearance, none of which had been confirmed, and several months after, one of the girls' mothers claimed to get a call from someone saying that her daughter was safe. According to a friend of Earl's, three years after the disappearance, he said he wished he had not hurt Tammy. Though he was never charged in either of the girls' disappearances, he was charged with molesting a 10-year-old girl in 1984 but was acquitted, and Tammy's older sister said he molested her when she was 12 years old and believed he did the same to Tammy. Despite what seems like glaring evidence that he is a child molester and murderer, Earl Bramblett has many online supporters who believe he was wrongfully accused and that Tammy and Angela simply ran away again. He, of course, claimed he was in no way responsible for their disappearance, that he was drunk when he made that statement about hurting Tammy, and that Tammy died in a bonfire in Florida in 1980. That police know about her death, but just like the Hodges murders, are using him as a scapegoat. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to what terrible thing happened on April 10th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe.